The texts after Easter uh, are focused in on the book of Acts. If you notice, there wasn't an Old Testament reading. And after Easter until Pentecost, during those 50 days on these Sundays, we walk through the history of the early church. We see where God's word is in motion through the apostles in that book of Acts. Remember, Acts is a, it's a history written by Luke kind of Luke's second gospel almost. He wrote Luke's gospel, which focuses in on Christ himself and the work done there. And then Acts is that brief moment before the ascension, and then all the way through the early church. And it talks about Paul's travels, and so that book lines up a lot with Paul's epistles as well. You can go back and forth between the two. And what we see in the book of Acts is that the world can't stop the word. I was trying to think of things like you were, of things that can stop. And the first thing that came to mind that's really, really hard to stop. Have any of you ever had a bean bag? Have any of you ever had a bean bag that had a tear in it? Or have tried to restuff a bean bag? What happens when you open up that dreadful zipper on the back end of a bean bag? Should you open up the inner lining inside that beanbag? And should that beanbag actually be filled with little foam beads? They go everywhere. And the hard part is that they then get static electricity too. And there's two kinds of static electricity. Here we go with physics again. Okay, so static electricity that clings to things and static electricity that re- it gets repelled. So as much as you try and clean up those things, it always seems that they go all over the place and you can never quite get all of them. And if you've ever had a youth room with high schoolers, you will find them years down the road. They go and they go and they go and they are near impossible to stop. God's word is not stopped by the world. And we see that with the apostles, right? So first, in the gospel reading, Christ shows up where the apostles are amazingly scared and locked in the upper room, and they're sitting up there not knowing what to do because their leader has just been crucified. The religious leaders are out in force. They're looking for those who are following this Jesus, and this Jesus is dead, and he's in a tomb as far as they know, and they're trying to figure out what is going on. They've heard of his resurrection from the women and they've seen the empty tomb at that point too and they're still running and scared because they don't quite know what to do with all this. And so Jesus shows up. And he proclaims peace to them. He says, stop fearing. I'm here. I'm alive. My peace be with you. Gives them his word. And he sends them. One of the scariest texts in that John reading is where he says, as I have been sent, so I send you. That's nerve-wracking because that sends us out of our comfort zone. That puts us in places where we may not want to be like the apostles, maybe, in prison. But see, before they even got to prison, they're standing up in the temple courts, right? And so you can kind of get a sense of the place of where they're at. When that reading starts in Acts, it says they're standing in Solomon's portico. Any of you 
familiar with your temple construction well enough to know where that is? We need help with these things, right? Everybody that Luke was writing to in Acts knew exactly where all this stuff was, so they could just kind of run through it. Solomon's portico was this gathering place on the eastern wall of the temple, on the eastern side there. And so there was a lot of business done. There was a lot of conversation done. There was a lot of gathering done on the temple courts, not inside the temple walls themselves where the sacrifices and prayers happened, but on the temple mount, okay, that raised area that was flat, this big, big raised patio, basically, right? So they're standing up there, and they're preaching about the resurrection. They're preaching about Christ. They're preaching about the fact that he is alive, that he's walking around, that he is alive and not dead. And the high priest and those with him, the Sadducees, in case you're not up on your religious leaders of the day, the Sadducees were the ones that didn't believe in the resurrection, ever. Okay? So here are the apostles standing up in the temple courts and they're preaching about resurrection. They're talking about Christ being alive and the Sadducees say, you got to stop. You're making things hard for us up here. Like, we're trying to lead people in this direction saying that resurrection doesn't happen and you're standing over here talking about this guy that did rise from the dead. Stop it. And so that you will stop it, we're going to put you in prison. Well, did it work? No. The world can't stop the word of God. They're in there. They're behind locked doors. They're behind locked gates again. And even there, an angel of the Lord shows up and says, Go, go, keep preaching. Keep talking about it. Keep preaching about Jesus. Go back to where you were. So they go right back to where they started, standing in the middle of the temple again, preaching about Jesus once again. And I love that line in there, no one dared to join them. Because remember, you had the apostles, the 12, right? Those who were in the upper room with Jesus, they're standing there, they're preaching about it, and none of the others that followed Jesus throughout his ministry dared to join them, but they held him in high esteem. You know, I can just imagine them all standing back in the Solomon going, you go, guys. Good job. (laughs) We're going to stand over here quiet and just kind of walk away if we need to so we don't get thrown into prison. But they're up there continuing to preach because the world can't stop the word of God. And as we walk through Acts, you're going to see that more and more and more. So we start thinking about, well, if the world can't stop the word of God, how's that act in my life? Because you're right, there are things in our lives that we seem like we can't stop. That's one of the beautiful parts as we see where God's word works in history. See, because the world may not be able to stop the word of God, but the word of God can stop the world. Think back to the Exodus. The word of God through Moses split the natural course of the Red Sea, made a huge way for people to walk through it. The word of God through different prophets, through Elijah and others, would stop the flow of the Jordan River so that people could cross. The word of God stopped a battle in Joshua's day so that the sun stood still for hours upon end as victory was continuing to be had. The word of God stopped the motion of things On Good Friday, stopped the light. 
It stopped the course of things in the temple when the temple curtain, which was several inches thick of woven fabric, tears from top to bottom, not to let people into the Holy of Holies, but to show that God was now out. The Word of God stops the world. The Word of God stops things in our lives where we see the corruption of sin, where we see disbelief, where we see unbelief going on when that Word of God is spoken. It stops the way we see things. See, before Christ in our lives, and even times as we doubt or look away, we see ourselves in a particular light, and the Word of God stops that as He turns our eyes to Him and gives us the identity that He has for us as His children, as forgiven and loved by God, a creation redeemed by Christ's death and resurrection. Forgiveness won in victory for you. As He stops your life for a moment and says, stop your mind. Live as my child. See where I am in your life. Because the word of God stops the world so that the word of God is always present. And we hear Christ, right? Remember from our studies uh, before Lent, even when uh, we were going through the I am statements and we heard Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he also said, I am the word, right? The true word, the living word, the word of life. And the world tried to stop that by killing him. Did it work? Well, no. Because the world can't stop the word. And you hear him in Revelation as he's speaking to John and he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who died and lives again, the living word abiding, the living word present, the living word active and thriving. Because the world can't stop the word. And that's a good thing. For us as we think about who we are after Easter. Because it's one thing to look back and say Jesus did that. It's another thing to look at what he has done since then. As he continues to call. As he continues to forgive. As he continues to live in our lives now and in the present. To stop the world every now and then. As his words are spoken to reclaim that world back for him. And he speaks it through your voices as his witnesses. Now, you may not stand up in front of a temple as the apostles did to speak his word, but he calls you into all kinds of places. Calls you into all kinds of places to be witnesses of his word, to point to his word, to point to Jesus and say he's the one who lives. And he's the one that lives for your forgiveness. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love that you have for your creation, for the life that you have given your word, and for the unending power of your word. We pray for the courage by your spirit each day to live within that word and speak your word where it is needed. That ears would be open to hear your word. That the world would stop and see Jesus and the life that he has and the forgiveness that he gives as you call your world back to you through your word. In your son Jesus' name, amen.